everybody. Welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen. How's everybody doing? Glad to be back. And as usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in, downloading, streaming. However you're taking my podcast, I appreciate it. Uh, look at me. I look rough. I look rough. But uh, yeah, glad to be back. It's a beautiful week, everybody. It is a beautiful Wednesday. I cannot wait to get outside. I've been out going outside quite a bit. Not in the woods and no crazy shit like that, but just I've been sitting out in nature, uh, just just getting more vitamin D, getting some sun, listening to the sounds of nature, watching fucking squirrels scurry about. So my my mood has improved uh, somewhat, and I've been stretching a lot every day for like twenty minutes, and I will say it it does help. I don't know if I mentioned that last week, but I've been doing it still. And I enjoy it. And uh, it just, when your body feels better, even though I'm not in the shape I want to be right now, but when you're just not as stiff, you're just not as angry and uh, much of a curmudgeon, you know, you're loose. You're loose. I said it before. That's why you see all these stiff motherfuckers walking around upset. The, the body is sore. You need to, literally need to loosen up. Literally. Like the first time I stretched, I just felt like all this shit just leave my body. Felt so good. Then it starts to hurt. <laughs> it's kind of like therapy. You know, at first that shit is really painful. It's really painful. But once you get that little bit of elasticity, you know, you, you can uh, you can take the stretching. You know, like once you kind of get past yourself and get over, get over your feelings, you know. Expand your mind, open your mind, and all the negative shit you hear about yourself or you tell your therapist you've heard about yourself or even your, the, the negative things your therapist might say about you. It's not as painful. Why? Because you've been stretching, baby. That's why. So um, I highly rec- recommend people stretch a little bit, man. Something. I'm slowly getting back in there. But I digress. Um. Man, I uh, I'll just say I did a um, I did a benefit show this past weekend for the uh, first responders, like the EMS folks here in town. Uh, I had a good time, so I want to say shout out to to the EMS council, uh, Kathy Miller and Peppy Winchell, for having me. Uh, I brought down three other comics, uh, my man T.J. Ferguson, uh, Jamal Russell, and Jessica Liz. Everybody had a great set. Uh, it was a small crowd, but we had so much fun. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I had a very interesting conversation with uh, Jessica Liz. I've never met her before, but she's a newer comic out of the, I want to say, Newport News uh, area. But uh, I know, like, my career isn't in a, I don't know. I'm fucking, I'm trying to get by with the what I'm doing comedy-wise. But... I, I I forget there are people who do look at the things that I do and go, oh, man, that's cool. Even though I feel like I'm not anywhere. But to other people, you know, me getting to open for Norman and work clubs and doing theaters and, you know, going to the city, getting cool spots, I, I you know, to other comics who I've been doing this a year, two years, that looks really cool. And I forget that. And um, but. Just listening to her talk about her passion for comedy talking about how like at work she doesn't even work anymore she's just thinking about comedy and trying to get booked and looking stuff up and i'm like yeah man I, i've been there I, I know that feeling and uh 
I just had a great conversation with her, man. And just feeling, just hearing someone still have that fire and passion for comedy, you know, just the, the sky's the limit. And I'm in, the, I'm in a slog right now. I'm trying to figure out like, how can I start headlining? I need more, I need more weekends. I can't take that. That's not really paying much. I don't want to lose my shirt on this gig. Like I'm in that spot where I used to see other comics at years ago, like, God, this guy's got it pretty good. And he's complaining about money. <laughs> But uh, man, I just, um, I, I guess I have been doing this for so long that I kind of forgot that it's truly my passion, man. It, it really is. Uh, that's something that bothers me uh, from time to time. I think about that. I, I look at other people and I go, man, everybody's so passionate about something. Somebody, everyone has something they're good at that they love to do. And I'm always like, I don't have anything. I got nothing, man. And it's comedy. It, it is. It's just. When I think I when I think comedy is trying to spit me out, I'm too old. I'm too this, you know. I, I start to doubt myself. I don't even know what just happened. Did I just lose audio or something? Or what? Let me, let me check something. I don't know what's going on. Okay, everything's good. I think maybe the air conditioner stopped blowing. But anyway, but uh, yeah, I think I just I've been in my head about this for so long that uh, you know sometimes we do forget that we love this shit and I gotta say whenever I'm feeling down about comedy like man it's just not working out for me I'm not getting this I'm not getting that I'm too old I'm too this and I think I'm I'm just like I don't know like when I'm just down about it and thinking I'm not good and it's over for me I've, I've done everything that I, I'm, I possibly could do this is it my life sucks you know this that was one of those times where I get on stage and uh, I'm like, everybody's going to hate me. I don't want to do it. And then I get up there and it's just, I love it, man. Like, like this last show, I said I was going to do 30. I did 50, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just do 30. They're going to not like it. And uh, you know, I'll get home, but I get up there and I start talking to people and I just, I love it, man. So I just, just like, um, she really kind of just reset me, you know, and just, I, I just been, like I said, just being in it, you know, and wanting things so bad, you just get jaded and your, your your vision just gets skewed. It gets muddy, you know. And sometimes you just need that younger comic to come and wipe the mud off, the dirt off, the dust, and remind you how dope this is that we uh, get to do stand up. So shout out to Jessica, man. You know, I, I really do love comedy. I just I just feel like I'm just in a rut right now, and I'll get out of it. And and I'm so good at telling my friends whenever my other comic buddies call me whatever just like oh i'm not getting this i'm not getting that I, I always tell people like look this is the thing about comedy you're gonna have your highs and you're gonna have your lows but the lows those are the times you gotta get through the the highs it's easy you're, you're getting booked you got money coming in you're doing cool shows your content's doing well or whatever you got a new joke a new clip out that's got a few thousand views you're happy about you know or you got some dates on the horizon you know, stuff like that. When you, you're getting followers, you feel like you're making some progress, you you, you know, uh, you get booked in a, at a new room, shit like that. But the I think the, the the true test is when you're in the low, like when the when the shit hits the fan, when things are going slow, when things are going against you. You know, that's when you got to go, you know what, I know what this is. This is the time for me to put my fucking head down, find something to dig into. 
stay positive and move forward. And next to you know, you're out of the uh, you're out that low. So, so shout out to her, man. But the show was great. I had a lot of fun, man. I had a lot of fun. Uh, just uh, really enjoyed it. I'm, I, I feel like I'm really starting to relax more on stage and, and just I think I'm slowly becoming truly who I am on stage and I'm, I'm enjoying it. But um, man, that was a quite a long digression. Um, this is the latest milestone ever. Almost 10 minutes in. But for those who don't know, we have a nine-year-old son. His name is Miles. And I like to talk about the different things that he is going through. Sometimes it's big, small, it's nothing. You know, this week, the milestone is a, it's actually um, it's a milestone, but it's more of a milestone for me dealing with him. So I had to apologize to him yesterday. I bought this new candy. I really want him to try it, but he is very, very hesitant to try new things. Just like me, I always have to remember that. And I pushed him a little too hard, and he ran off and ran into his room and locked the door. He was he was pretty upset. And I, I, I got to be honest, I was a little upset. I was in a great mood. I thought he would try it. And uh, I just kind of, I, I kind of forgot my my boundaries at, w- with him, you know. I, I typically try not to push him too hard because I know it, he'll shut down. But I was just in a good mood and I, and I pushed him too hard. The intentions were good and it just really upset him and I had to apologize. And, and, and the thing is, he has an issue with telling people no. He's a people pleaser and it makes him feel really bad when he doesn't want to do things that other people want to do. And uh, I know what that's like, feeling growing up with that guilt, still having it from time to time. Actually, I can't even say from time to time, still having that. It's, it's not a good feeling. And we've always tried to teach him, like, hey, if you don't want to do something, man, just say no. You, you have the right to tell people no. You don't have to do everything everyone is doing. And I think sometimes as parents, we forget that that applies to us as well. You know, and I told him yesterday, like, look, I can't teach you and tell you to tell other people no and not feel bad about it if I won't allow you to do that to me. And, but my thing is how, cause he really doesn't like doing a whole lot, but he needs to understand there are times where like, you're going to have to go somewhere or do something you don't want to do. That's just part of life. So, and he, and he says he, he gets that. And, and there are times he gets upset, but he, he'll get over it. He'll get over it. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I push him too far. And I realize as a parent, I'm like his first introduction to everything. And if he feels like he can't tell me no, the person who's telling them he should tell other people no, I won't take no for an answer. Or I'm being a little pushy about something. That's sending a a very mixed signal and it's not cool to do. And I have to apologize to him. And uh, I always have to remind myself to put myself in his shoes. How did I feel? So... That was a learning moment for me. That was that was a milestone for me. You know, I just I have to always remember and I get it. We will make mistakes. So but we were able to to uh, to squash it. And I uh, yeah, I, I pushed them a little too much. And I, and I know people are like it's fucking can I know it's just candy. I know. But I the thing is, I know how he is. And uh, I, I, I can't I can't do that. I, I can't. I have. Yeah, I felt pretty bad. Now, I was mad at first, but then I felt bad thinking about how it really goes against what I what I taught him, and that's confusing, and that's not fair to do. But, all right, moving on. So, um, I know we already saw game one last night. I'm, I'm going to talk some NBA playoffs here for a bit. 
Uh, I know game one was last night. Miami won home game, um, won the home game. And yesterday I was thinking about this, and I was pretty pretty torn on, on both series um, who I wanted to go with. You know, just at a at a um, just at a at a quick. Uh, if someone asked me like, "Hey, who are you going for?" It's not a simple. Oh, boom, boom. I was like, "Man, I." And here's the thing. I am I am not a Boston hater, right? I like Tatum. I like Smart. I like Brown. Uh, Horford is balling. I just I, they're scrappy. Uh, they they sacrifice their bodies. Uh, they just they're they're a fun team to watch. I, I really enjoy. I really like Tatum, man. I that dude is that dude is nasty. He he really is. The one kid, uh, Brown, not not uh, the one with the dreads, but the light skinned Brown, not Brown. Um, Williams, sorry, Williams. I think fifty five. Brian Williams, the light skinned dude. He had twenty seven in Game Seven. That dude, when I first started watching the Celtics play, I was for some reason I was not sold on that guy. I just, I, I there was just something about him. I was just like, I, I don't know what he does. I, I, I didn't get it. But uh, watching him play, he's growing on me. Uh, I just, I really love that team, man. I, I, I do like watching him play. But I also realized this. I, like I said, I never saw myself as a Boston hater. But there's something about them I could not cheer for them. Even though I like watching them play, I even fucked with when KG and all of them went on the team. Paul Pierce, it was 08. Look, I was happy to see Ray, KG, Paul Pierce, um, all those dudes get a ring. I know, I think I'm, I feel like I'm missing people, man, but we're, we're talking fucking almost 15 years ago. Who else was on that team? KG, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo. Uh, Ray Allen. I, I know I'm missing some others. There's some. There's a couple, at least one other person that I'm kind of missing. Um, but I was happy to see those guys get a ring. I, I really was. Those are the guys I grew up watching that I idolized. But there was part of me that I was just like, but it's the Boston Celtics. Like this is not so much for Pierce because that's that's his. That was his squad. That was his squad. I kind of I can't say I gave him a pass, but I was like, that makes sense. But it's just something about Boston, man. I just can't rock with them fully. I don't know if it's because I was always a Jordan fan, a Nick fan. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let me say this: I didn't know. I looking back, I always had a weird disdain for Boston, and I'm gonna digress a little bit, but I'm not gonna go too deep. That sounded weird. So I um uh, I I used to watch the 30 for 30s. I fell off, but then I'm I'm starting to go back and re rewatch them. And I just watched the three part Boston uh Lakers, the Boston LA um uh, documentary. Super, super good. Now just hearing about Boston's history, the racism, uh I mean when they were saying when when um when uh god damn it, why am I drawing a blank on this man? Bill Russell was there winning those championships. There were still seats in the stadium because there were too many black players. You know, uh, the way they would, they really like, uh, they would, they just couldn't wait to get Larry Bird. He's a great player. Even, even though like Boston was good, they still just couldn't support their team because it was too black at times. Even though I was never around for that, 
I feel like the generation before me, they kind of, they kind of, um, they kind of let you know without letting you know that Boston is a racist team. Like I never really heard that growing up, but there was, it was always just like, ah, Boston. It was always this weird language surrounding them. Now that I look back. So even as a, as a young basketball fan, it was being put into my head. There was something shady or weird or, be careful about Boston or like, well, we don't really fuck with Boston like that. And I, I think that's what it was watching that documentary. I was just like, Oh, this is where all this kind of like eh, about Boston came from. Cause they really never did anything to me. <laughs> NBA wise. I, I could see how they terrorize other people back in the day, but I didn't have to go through that as an NBA fan. I was I wasn't a Laker fan back in the day, and maybe 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 that's what it was. I think that's what it was with it with uh you know Magic Johnson being who he was. Uh, my family's black, you know they. I remember my uncles wearing uh, Magic Johnson jerseys and stuff like that. What he did for the game, and back then it really was a black versus white. You know the, the league was changing and people didn't like it. So I think we kind of picked up on that that uh, sentiment, young. Uh, at a young age as basketball fans and at least for me and I think a lot of other people too is this something about Boston when you're just kind of like I don't know man I don't know I don't know I don't know but um they're a great team now I like the Miami Heat team too that is they remind me of they're not exactly the same but you can tell it's a Pat Riley built team they're scrappy. They're a lot like Boston. They're a lot like Boston. The city's different, different personalities, but the game's play style and, and all that is pretty much the same. You know, a couple, you know, some different personnel, but I think at, at, at its core, they're both scrappy. Uh, they sacrifice their bodies. They play good defense, um, multiple options on offense. They can shoot the three pretty well. And, uh, yeah, they, they they get after it. I I, I really like that. Um, but with that being said, man, I, I I gotta go with the Heat, and I'm not just saying that because of Game One. I I cannot as much as I enjoy watching Boston, as much as I like their players, I can't do it. I gotta go with Jimmy buckets in the Miami Heat. I do. Last night was uh, it was interesting. Now on the West Coast, Warriors, Dallas. Look, I, I I think Dallas is a fun team to watch. I think Luka is great. I absolutely love Luka. I think Luka is amazing. I think he will be the best player in the league at some point in time in his career. Um, I, I, I do think that they, they lean on him quite a bit still. I think he does a little bit too much. I think he holds the ball a little bit too much. Uh, I, I think they really, really, they, they lean on him a, a little too hard. I, I think it's a good team, but I still think the, they're like a piece away or some, there's they're some XP away and, and some uh, player a player away. They need somebody else to step up. Because I just think Luka holds the ball way too much. And, and just it's the NBA. And here's the thing about Luka. I think Luka is so good, he could have a magic moment and get them past Golden State. And he also could be so lucky to have a legendary run 
and win a championship. I feel like it's possible, but the the chances are very, very thin. Very thin, but I think there's a chance. That's, to me, that's how good Luka is. Like, it's possible for him to put together a run to win the whole thing, but I think it's a bit much for him right now. I think it can get him through Golden State, but not through uh, the Heat. That That's a lot of games to win. That's a lot. But I but there is part of me that I think I think it's possible. I think it's possible, but highly, highly unlikely unlikely. I wouldn't bet on it, but it really wouldn't surprise me either. Um Golden State, I, I'm not a I'm not a, a a Steph hater. There's a lot of Golden State haters, and, and I understand why. I, I, I get it, but I'm not one of those people, man. I, I love the game. Um yeah, of course, there's times I don't agree with like the super team thing. I, I really wasn't a fan of that, but I enjoyed watching it. I'm not going to complain too much about it. Um, yeah, I don't I won't, I don't consider them a super team anymore. But uh, I mean, with Draymond Green's his experience, just the whole team's experience. The big three's experience, my bad. Uh, Clay's still pretty. He's still pretty. Uh, got some pretty fresh legs. You know, he was out for a while. Um I, I, I gotta go. I gotta go with them. Uh, um, Dallas hasn't been this far. Uh, Steph and those guys—they're champions. They've been here. They've been there. Uh, so I, I gotta go with them. But I'm I'm expecting to see some special things out of Luca. So he hasn't folded yet. But then again, he, he, we don't know. We don't know. This could be the night where we see Luca fold. <laughs> I I don't I don't think so. But it it could be. It could be. You know he he's a great player, but you you do don't know how players are going to react when they get to the biggest the, those big big stages. I mean he hasn't let people down yet, but we don't know. That's what's that's what's weird about sports. You know how you have these great players, but then like for some guys, like an AFC championship or even a Super Bowl or the playoffs, it's just it's a challenge for them. It's it's the biggest hurdle in their career, and for a lot of those guys, they don't get over it and. uh I don't think that's Lucas thing, but you, we'd never know that this could be his thing where he has a hall of fame career, but he never makes it past the Western conference finals or whatever. If he gets traded to the, to the Eastern at some point in his career, he, he just, he's never made it past the conference final. You, you just never know again, highly unlikely, but possible. Um, but I'm excited, man. Uh, to go back to the comedy thing. I, I think that's what also kind of scared me about, um, why I was getting down about comedy is, um, I'm not as obsessed, and it's not a bad thing. Ever since the pandemic, I've I've learned to take a step back and not let it consume me. And I think the fact that comedy doesn't consume me anymore, it was making me doubt if I if I loved it still, you know. And it scared me because I'm like, I put so much time in this. Do I not? Do I not care about it as much? And it's just like, no, you do. You're just starting to put value back into other things that you valued before you became a absolute comedy obsessed nut job. No, you're doing shit you're supposed to do. You're going to therapy. You're spending more time with your family, with your son. You're you're watching uh, sports like you used to. You know, you're you're not just putting all your eggs in one basket. So it's just trying to balance my mind out again and and, and put everything into perspective and prioritize. Uh, And it just had me kind of worried. Um, So... Man, I don't want this to be too long, but um, shit. I guess one kind of goes in, into the other, sort of. 
But uh, my wife and I watched a documentary on a uh, Netflix called Our Father, and this is the second one we've watched. And this is yet another story of a fertility doctor using his own uh, sperm to impregnate women. Uh, this guy's in Indiana, and um, I've stepped out and I missed a few minutes. And the, and the woman who found out she was one of this one of this uh, this guy's daughters, she was just saying how in her town she has to be careful who she dates. And she's, she looks at people like, are we related? And I'm like, what the hell is going on around this town? I was like, okay, this guy, it's bad. I was like, but he only did it to a few people. So why would she think she was um, related to so many people and that cautious about dating? And it uh, turns out he did this to a lot of people who, within, who were within 25 miles of each other. And um, by the end of the documentary, the sibling count was up to 94. So I was like, oh, now I see why these people are super cautious about who they want to date in that town. But just it's just wild to know that people would do shit like this. This is crazy. This guy did this for decades, unknowingly to his patients. And just to watch the the, the mental effects this have on people when they get on the 23andMe. You know, because a lot of these people, when they interview them, they already said they felt weird and their family because they were like, I don't really look like anybody else. Like I understand my parents had like uh fertility issues when they, when, when I was born and they had to see a specialist, but like, why do I have blonde hair or, or why am I having these health problems or why do I do this? And everyone does that. So what, you know, 23 and me and all the ancestry.com people started getting on there and getting all these hits, like half brother, half sister. You know, some people thought it was by mistake, but then uh, the the one woman who knows at first, anytime someone new would pop up, she would message him like, no, this is real. This is what's going on. And back when this guy was doing this, there was no law against it. It, it seems like this would be common sense. Like, why do you think this is okay to do? Like, they don't have your permission. And they they confront the guy, and he doesn't even really get in trouble for it. His biggest thing is he doesn't want it to get out to ruin his life and his marriage. It's just like there's almost a hundred people out there whose lives you absolutely ruined, but you worried about your image. He didn't get in trouble. The only thing he got was when um, he, he lied to some government agency when they asked him, like once all this started to come out, this woman uh, started, she wanted to start an investigation and I want to say it might have been the, the attorney general's office. They asked him, did you use your own sperm to uh, impregnate these women? And he said no. And um, later on, when uh, because it took a while for the attorney general to even take this woman's case seriously, she brought it to the news. And this news anchor woman asked this guy, did you use a sperm? He basically he told her yes. So that was the only thing that they got him on is the fact that he lied on this government form and they took him to court, but it was only for lying. So all of these people who are now adults, they can come on into court and testify as to them being his offspring. But the circumstances to the to their existing existence was not pertinent to the case at all. Like the fact that they were their moms were basically raped. It was not it was uh, there was no consent. Uh, how it ruined their lives. All that. None of that came into play at all it was just like yes that's my father that's my biological father yes that's my biological father yes that's my biological father 
yes, he used, uh, he didn't use my, you know, real dad sperm. The person who should be my biological father, his sperm was not used. That's all they could really say. And to be that close to like getting a guy who ruined your life to to do some jail time, I mean, to get him to, to get him that close, and they get nothing. They find him like five hundred dollars, literally five hundred dollars. And I don't even know what a class six felony is, but I'm assuming it's pretty low. And he got no jail time. No jail time. And it turns out this guy is part of, and this is going to lead into my next, uh, my last closing uh, story or rant. I don't know what you want to call it, segment. Um, but it turns out he, it looks like he was part of some, some, to me, this is a forming religious terrorist organization. Just from, I don't even know much about him, but what I heard, it does not sound good. It's a movement called Quiverful. And basically, it's a uh, super religious group that believes in having as many kids as possible to send out your arrows, which are children, to be in God's army. And these people are encouraged to uh, be politically active, take as many positions in offices of um, power as possible. And eventually they would like to um, make the Bible the rule of law in America. Now tell me what that sounds like. And that's what this guy was doing. All of these kids are blonde haired, blue eyed. They basically want to, they want to start like an Aryan race. That guy, 94 kids. It's, it's absolutely mind blowing. No crime. And the thing is, they all know what he did. They all know it's wrong, but there's nothing they can do. But there's now a law in Indiana. Uh, and there's dozens of other doctors that have done this around the country. I want to say about, four, I want to, if I'm not mistaken, I think they said 44 other cases of this. I don't think they're this extreme, but it, that is absolutely insane. We watched a baby God documentary. Another guy, I want to say in Vegas doing the same shit, same shit. These, these religious fanatics, man, it's just, it's terrifying. It, it's scary to think that like, it's possible in a, a hundred years how things could be flipped and America could end up being, you know, seen as the Germans because of all this wild shit that's going on. And it leads me to my last thing, this Buffalo shooting. I, I said I wasn't going to say much, but it's just, I will say this though. Someone drove three hours to kill black people. That's basically what this shit boils down to. All right. People are so worried about porn and all this kind of stuff and doctoring their kids. YouTube is what it is, man. YouTube and this 4chan and all these chat rooms and Reddit and shit like that. These kids are looking for something. This dude's 18 thinking he's been listening to all this bullshit. I blame every politician, any news anchor, anybody that has a big audience that's out there spewing this fucking replacement theory shit. That's what it is. I, I hold all of them responsible. If you're out here still saying the election was stolen and shit, you're you're responsible for this type of shit. Now, did you physically hand this kid the gun? No, you didn't. But you're adding to the crowd. And I look, y'all know me. I'm all for free speech, man. But the shit is just you got to. People have to be more responsible. People need to watch what their kids are watching. You know that that includes me. I mean, you you just it's a lot of whack jobs out there on the left and the right. 
But right now, what's what's terrifying is this fucking right wing conservative shit of this replacement theory. They want people to be scared. And when you get scared white people, you get dead minorities. Point blank. It's don't I don't want to hear that's not who we are. That's exactly who we are, and we've always been. White people get scared and they start fucking killing people. Dude, shut up. Old people at a grocery store, man. 18 years old. So you haven't even done shit to be replaced. You haven't even really gone out into the workforce. And you're already this mad? People need to stop with these fucking lies, man. They need to stop with these fucking lies. And these 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 dog whistles. They say all this shit and then stuff like this happens and they, they want to distance themselves. This is the kind of shit you create. And yes, these people are so quick to blame rappers for shootings and for the conditions of their neighborhoods. But a politician, access to thousands and millions of people on social media, you're on TV. You know, everybody has their own podcast now, their own show, and you're just spewing this shit. You're doing it for likes. You're doing it to get reelected. You're doing it to be famous. You're doing it to get in certain people's favor. But it's costing people their lives. And it's it's, it's scary. And I, I think these are going to I think these are going to get more and more bold. They're going to get more and more bold. And that quiver fool shit, that is terrifying, too. Terrifying. I, I I just I don't I don't know where we're headed, man. <laughs> I I really don't. But uh, honestly, good or bad, wherever we headed, we deserve it. We one hundred percent deserve whatever we get as a country. This this is the bed we made. We got people trying to fix it. People want to fight it, and whatever happens, I I feel like we deserve it. Uh, it it's gonna suck, but we're gonna deserve whatever we get because we just we. Yeah, we couldn't reel people in, man. I, I'm I'm all for people expressing themselves, being who they are. But there's a right way and there's an irresponsible way. And the thing is, nobody, everybody wants to be able to run their mouth and say what the fuck they want to say, do what they want to do. But no one, by, nobody wants to be responsible for uh, any fallout from it or anything that be, that comes of it. That's that's not how the world works. So I don't know. But tonight, host battle. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, my, 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 man, I just, yeah, man, I, I just, Buffalo, man, that, that really hits close to home. And, and he was talking about going to Rochester. I, I, it's just something I, I try not to think about, man. It just, it just, it really bothers me to my core, man, that somebody would do some wild shit like that. I mean, just three hours, three hours, multiple times chances to, to, to turn around, multiple multiple ch- chances to think about it and over three hours this person was like no nah, i'm doing this <laughs> and they always say like hey if you get hot headed and upset about something count to 10 that motherfucker had over a thousand chances to count to 10 and still decided to go through with it that's just fucking wild man and and the sad thing is people will defend the shit they'll defend they'll defend they won't defend the murder but they'll find some way to defend him not make it his fault. You know, 
or they want to focus on the fact that we're calling everything ra- how come a guy can't walk into a grocery store and kill people without being racist like that's what people will focus on the fact that they call this kid racist that's what they'll be mad about not about the innocent people that he killed these blue lives matter people he killed a retired police officer not, nothing for that hmm? yeah. <laughs> probably not that's what they're worried about, being called racist. This this thing would be about, it's not right to profile white murderers. How dare they? Let's focus on the murder and not the race. That's why that motherfucker went there. But I'm done talking about it. My uh, my, my, my mind, my thoughts, my prayers, it, it just goes out to the people of uh, Buffalo, man. That's wild, 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 wild. But um, yeah, have a great week. <laughs> <laughs> Follow me on all things social media at Chris Allen Comedy. I'm out. Y'all have a good one. See ya. Peace.